Good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing? Great. I am doing as doing well as well. Um, if you got your Bibles, go to James chapter four. We're going to continue our study in James chapter four. Um, right now, what we need, need now more than anything in the church is we need men and women who are unashamed. We need men and women who are unafraid, unafraid to talk about the things of God in the world in which we live and the, the world in which we walk. Unafraid and unashamed men can change the world. Um, so I, I want to start... Was sort of, I love that we've, we've got a story to tell as we sang this morning. We have a story to tell. We have a story to tell to the world that's around us that I believe transforms and changes the destinies of men and, men and women. Amen? Okay, so I've got at least one of you in the room that's on board with that. So that's good. Um, a few, this has been, this, this chart that I put up here in front of us um, I read an article from Lifeway in regards to people sharing their faith. And I, and I, I want to come out of James chapter 4 here in the last part of James 4 where it tells us in the text um, in verse 17. So whosoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. So I read this article, and it's a concerning article. As you can see, you can read some of the stats up here. 80% of people surveyed in this survey said that they know that they should be sharing their faith, and they have a personal responsibility to share that faith. But out of the 80% surveyed, 61% of that 80% have actually not shared their faith with anyone in the past six months. 48% of these Christians that were surveyed also said that they had not invited anyone to church in the past six months. 20% of these Christians um, surveyed said they rarely or never pray for the lost. The lost people that they know. Not just the lost in general, but they don't pray for the people that they know that are heading to hell. And often what happens is we tend to jump into the, the idea or the excuse that, well, I don't want to share my faith because I'm not comfortable. Well, 75% of the 80 that were surveyed here, 75% of them were comfortable with sharing their stance or their, their faith in Christ. The 75% of those people surveyed said that they were comfortable sharing their faith. And, and so you say, well, why in the world are... We, we, we have those people in front of us saying, 80% say, say it's a personal responsibility to share their religious beliefs about Christ to a non-Christian. They believe that this is their fundamental duty as a Christian to, to share their faith. So we've got 80%. But yet we've got 61% of that 80 say they don't, they don't do it. They just don't. Well, the, the whole idea of I'm afraid or I'm worried, I'm scared, 
that's blown out of the water by the next step. 75%. I'm not really scared to share my faith. I, I have no... Why do we not want to share our faith? Why do we not want to talk about our faith? And I, 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 I contend that unafraid, unashamed, bold Christians can and do change the world. And so if you sit here today and you say, I know that I should be sharing my faith and I'm really not scared to share my faith. What does James tell us? Whosoever knows the right thing to do, but yet fails to do it, for him it is sin. So if you know you should be sharing your faith, you know that you should be letting people know about who Jesus is in the community in which you live, and you don't do that, I'm telling you, the scripture says that you are sinning. Because here's the thing. I I think honestly, as we... We don't love Jesus. How do you... Wait a minute, Caleb. You can't say that. I, I, I love Jesus. And I know that we say in the room like this that we love Christ. And I know that we say that we, we are for Him and we love Jesus. And we just... I mean, we stood, in this, stood together and we sang songs about how we love, trust that we love Jesus. We love Him. We've got a story to tell. Oh, the Savior that we love. But our actions say something completely different. Our theology might be right in the room, but our hearts are not in line with what God has for us. How do I know? Go to Matthew chapter 15. I want you to just go over to Matthew chapter 15 and look at this text. I don't hear pages turning. Are you guys nervous? Just checking. Matthew chapter 15. We're going to look at verse 8 through 9. Matthew chapter 15, verses 8 through 9 says this. This people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So we've got people that say, I love Christ, I love Jesus, but, I, but our hearts are far from Him. Our, our desires are far from Him. We might spouted out with our lips in rooms like this, but we're, the stats are proving this, that we're not, we're not sharing. And like, there's even 20% of people in this, in this statistic that they don't even pray for people that are lost. That doesn't even come on their radar. That it's not even a concern to them. Here's the thing. We talk about the stuff that we love. We talk about the stuff we love. We talk about our sports teams we talk about our families we talk about the food we love i mean shoot our instagrams are filled with and our facebook posts are filled with pictures of the food that we that we eat the vacations we take the cars we drive the houses we live in we're not ashamed of those things we're not quiet about those things we talk about the stuff that we're passionate about we talk about the things that we're excited about like these things so you can tell me all day long that you're a believer and that you follow Christ and that your theology's right and, and all these things, but if you refuse to address people and talk to people about who Jesus is, this is a great, it's a really good indicator that you don't really love Christ. If you refuse to talk about Christ in your school, if you refuse to talk about Christ in the workplace, if you refuse to acknowledge who Jesus is and pursue and share the gospel with men and women that are around you, you, you don't love him. 
So I, I know who God is, and that's great. Remember we talked about in James 2.19 that the demons in hell believe and they tremble before God. But they don't love God. They don't love Him. A love for something, you'll, you'll, you'll pursue that, you'll talk about it, you'll, you'll cherish that thing that you love. You're going to talk about what you love. And if you're walking in the light, we'll reflect that light. If you walk truly in the light, like we talked about last week at First John, if you walk in the light, you're going to reflect that light. Bold men, we need more than anything, men and women who are in the church who are bold, unafraid, to do, to do things that are maybe a little bit out of our comfort zones. A couple of years ago, I went to Oklahoma City and I got to speak in at a conference in Oklahoma City, and I, I got there the night before, spent the night with my friend Dave Melhoff, and um, we had told the conference folks, hey, we don't have to worry about hotel or anything like that, I'll just stay at my friend Dave's house. Gabe went with me. Um, we had some time the next morning before the conference. Conference was that evening, that next Saturday evening, so we got there and we played around and we did some stuff in Oklahoma City. And Dave said, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you around. I'm going to show you things in Oklahoma City. I said, that's, that's awesome. So we went to go do different things, be a part of different things. He said, we he took us to the Oklahoma City bombing memorial. We did all this. So we ate lunch. And he said, hey, you know what? I, what? I, I got an idea. I said, oh, boy. Here, you know, when Dave says, I've got an idea, you think I'm crazy. <laughs> you think I'm full of energy. This, this brother head and shoulders, not just in his stature, he's taller than me, but head and, st- head and shoulders just crazier than me. Um, that's where I, I tend to, some, I maybe get some of my craziness, because he's also one of my spiritual mentors, and I love this guy more than anything in the world. And uh, he said, let's go to the Oklahoma City training facility, Oklahoma City Thunder training facility. I was like, why? He's like, let's just see what happens. Okay. Cool. <laughs> so we went, and he walks up to the door and rings the doorbell. This security guard strapped with pistols comes up next. He's like, can we help you? Hey, can we meet Kevin Durant? He was, Kevin Durant was with the, with the Thunder at this time. And he, no. <laughs> no, you can't. Okay, well, we're just checking to see if we can we come see him. And so we get back in our car. We start to get back in our car, and this Jeep pulls up. And this guy hops out of the Jeep, and, and Dave goes, oh! <gasps> It's Bill Donovan. Let's go. And so he jumps out. He's like, Billy, hey, I've got somebody you've got to meet. Have you ever heard of Caleb Gordon? (laughs) And I'm sitting in my car going, oh, my Lanta. It's the head coach of Oklahoma City Thunder. And he's like, hey, what's going on? Caleb shook my hand. And he goes, and Dave's like, you've got to get a picture with Caleb. Okay. So I put my, Gabe was right there, we put my, uh, we put our arms around him, we took a picture with Bill Donovan, and we got to meet Bill Donovan, and I was like, this guy, talk about stepping out of your comfort zone, I mean, this guy doesn't care, like, he's just like, let's do this, let's, let's, let's go do something, let's, let's, I'm I'm not going to be afraid, and the thing that I loved about not only being unafraid and unashamed, but he also had this, this desire to make me the guy that I look up to him, he made me feel like I was, a, like I was something. Like, I love that. I mean, that's, this is just a side thought. But he just, like, he was willing, hey, Billy, you, have you ever met, have you ever heard of Caleb Gordon? He'd never heard of, what? Caleb who? 
He'd never heard of me in my entire life. He didn't know who I was. But he stepped out of his comfort zone and he was willing to do something that was abnormal, that was not, like this is what we're called to be. We're called to be unashamed of the gospel. We're called to be unashamed and eager to to proclaim these things. Paul understood this. Paul understood this. And, And I shared this with, the part of this with the youth rally on last Friday evening out of Romans. And I, I just want us to look at this real quick. We're not going to stay like that we did uh, Friday night, but I want us to look at just a, just a real quick idea in this. Paul says in Romans chapter 1, he says this, verse 14, I am under obligation both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish, so I am eager to preach the gospel to you, the, you that are here in Rome, for I am unashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and then also to the Greek. For it is the righteousness of God that is revealed from faith to faith, that is, as it is written, the just or the righteous shall live by faith. Guys, Paul understood, Paul realized who he was in the sight of God. Paul was a religious man, but he was minus Christ before Christ encountered him on that road. And he understood what Jesus had done on his behalf. He understood that Jesus had come and pulled him out of the the pits of hell and redeemed him. Even in his sinful state, Jesus came and said, I'm buying you back. So Paul had a desire to openly share what Christ had done for him. This reason he says, I'm eager, I am eager to share what is in my heart. The last thing in Acts chapter 28, the very last thing, I love this. Verse 30 and 31, he says, this is Paul. Paul lived there for two whole years in the town he was in at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance or hesitation. Like there was no hindrance or hesitation on his behalf. He moved and pressed forward. He was doing, he was doing all of this with boldness. He loved Jesus, and because he loved Jesus, he talked about who Jesus was. We will talk about the things that we love. We'll talk about the things that we love. So therefore, he was unashamed. We have a message, like guys, we as Christians have the best message in the world, amen? Like we have the most powerful message and the most life transformative message in the world. We have a message of hope. We have a message of reconciliation. We have a, re- a message of forgiveness. We have a God who loves us and he's given himself for his creation, the creation that spit in his face. He came and he draws us to himself. Like, He actually loves us. I know that that is a mind-boggling thing to some of us, but Christ actually loves you. How how can I say that? Isaiah chapter 43, verse 4 tells us. So if you go back over and look at Isaiah chapter 43, listen to this. Verse 4 tells us. Isaiah 
I'll just get, we'll start in verse 3. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in exchange for you, because you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. And I love you. Wow. Wow. I, I love you. Like, Jesus has stepped into the void of your life. He actually cares for you. He actually loves you. We are precious in Jesus' sight. And, and what I think is dangerous a lot of times is we as older people, we get older, and the kids sing songs about how we're, we're precious in His sight. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, right? It, we're precious in His sight, but we struggle as we get older, to remember this, that we're precious in His sight. We struggle to understand that Jesus loves you and I with everything. That He gave His life for you. Jesus has prepared the banquet table for you. He set up so much more for us than we can even begin to understand. And oftentimes what we do is we slough it off. Because we're so consumed with what's going on around us in the world in which we live we slough things off and we're all the while when we come in rooms like this we yes and amen oh, yeah you tell them preacher somebody needs to hear this not me but somebody else needs to hear this no it's probably if you say somebody else needs to hear this you're probably the one that needs to hear this and, and so we need to understand that if we know to do the right thing, if we know that we should be sharing Jesus, if we know that we should be talking about Christ, then we're not doing it. To you, it is sin. How do, you can't say that, Caleb. I didn't. James did. I'm just echoing what James said in the text. We're, we're called to be unashamed and to talk about the things that we love. We're called to do those things. We're called to fall in love with Jesus. Yesterday, um, I went to Walmart. That was crazy. Um, they literally had a 19-year-old kid guarding the toilet paper, which I, th- I thought to myself, this is what we've become. How crazy is this that we've got kids? And other Walmarts had to, arm, they had to pay armed police officers to, to guard their toilet paper, which I thought was just insane. Like, this is... Like the power of fear in the world in which we live. And I'm like, what in the world? This is crazy. And so, and this is how you know that we're probably close close to Armageddon. Walmart had 20 plus registers open yesterday. I I was in shock. I was in complete shock. Um, But as I stood there, I I stood in line. I I got my stuff up there and I'd gone in for other things, but I stood in line and I started to go through and check out stuff and, and Cheryl was behind the counter and I just looked at Cheryl and she just sort of kind of looked and she was talking to me about things that were going on and how crazy it was and how some guy threatened to kill someone over toilet paper yesterday and I was just like, that's just crazy, isn't it? That's nuts. She's like, yeah, it really is crazy. And I said, Cheryl, let me ask you a question. She goes, what's going on, sir? I said, how can I pray for you? I did my whole, my normal, how can I pray for you bit. And she just goes, Wow. Um, if you could just pray for strength for me today. I just need strength to be able to stand here and, and, and deal with crazy. And I said, man, I'd be glad to do that. And the man behind me said, hey, I'll second that. 
I'll second that. I'll pray for you too. I said, well, shoot, let's just do it right now. And I just said, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you'd give strength to Cheryl today. Father, she needs it. She's asked for it. I pray that you'd give us. And he's over there. Amen. Amen. Yes, Father. And we're doing it together. And we said, amen. And she goes, well, thank you for that. And I was just like, this is how we change the world. Like it takes a small little moment. I didn't do anything profound. I didn't do anything life-altering. I just asked God to do what God can do. I ask God to do what God can do. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. I know that I should be doing The Holy Spirit prompts you to do something like this. If the Holy Spirit pricks your heart and says, Hey, ask this lady how you can pray for her. Uh, nope. Not going to do it. Come on, Caleb. I'm, I'm, I'm welcoming you, you into an opportunity to do something incredible. All you've got to do is be obedient to what I've called you to do. Just step in and do it. Oh, no, I don't want to. I don't want to. And because I was obedient, I'm not up here tooting my heart and saying, hey, I've got my own testimony of what God, I can only talk about what's going on in my life. I don't get to talk about what's going on in Jamie's life or Pam's. I don't get to talk about that. I talk about what's going on in my life. I've got my life to tell you about and what Jesus is doing in my life. And I want to imitate Christ, so I'm pleading with you, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's what Paul said. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. What has Jesus called us to do? Pray for those. Pray for people. Love people. Show Christ off to the nations. That's what we're called to do. We've got these. You see this. You say, how can I do that, Caleb? I heard a great illustration from a church that's down in Texas this last week. I was listening to it. And they've got now their, their on Sunday evenings, what they do after their services is that people just go and they walk through their prospective neighborhoods and they just, as they're walking, they walk past someone's house and, and on their evening strolls as the, as the weather gets nicer and they start saying, just, Lord, I pray a blessing over that house. God, I pray for that marriage. I pray for that family. I pray for those kids. I pray for that man. I pray for that woman that's in that house. God, you know what's going on. I pray a blessing over that. I pray a hedge of protection and just keep walking. Go to the next one. And if somebody comes out and says, what are you doing in my front yard? Tell them. Say, so I'm just praying for you. How can I pray for you? And guess what? I'm telling you, people will tell you how that you can pray. They'll tell you how to pray for them. They'll tell you what's going on in their life. They'll tell you how things are going. I've never had anyone say, man, I, I, I don't know how you, I mean, I had one lady at Brahms one time tell me, well, I don't know how to pray for you. I said, well, I'm going to pray that God blesses your life. That's what I'm going to pray for. I'm going to pray that God blesses your life. She goes, well, thank you. It was easy, and I walked out. Like, we are, to, we are called to talk about the things that we love. We're called to, if we know that, if we know this is the right thing to do, and we do, 80% Say, I have a personal responsibility to share my beliefs in Christ. If you know that you should be doing that, but yet you're not, you're not, 61% have not shared their faith, 41% don't even ask me, hey, just come to church with me. What's the worst they could say? No? (laughs) Yeah. We're called to do this. We're called to do this. They say, okay, well, but where do I start? We've got to fall in love with Jesus. What's that old 
Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. Amen. Go to Revelation chapter 2. Because here's the, this is the answer. This is how we begin the journey. If you're like, man, Caleb, I want to. Like, that's where I want to go. I want to start being the man, woman of, of God who's bold in the places where I go. Well, this is the answer. This is the answer in Revelation chapter 2. Because I think this is where a bulk of us are. A bulk of us, yeah, we, we say we love Christ, but I think this is what's happened. We've got our theology in line, but I think this is a bulk of where we are. Revelation chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 2. This is talking to the church of Ephesus. I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who claim, who are evil, but you test those who call themselves apostles, and you are, and you do not, I'm sorry, and are not found to be True, you see that they are false. I know you're enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake. And you have not grown weary. So that, up to this point, that sounds like a great model church, doesn't it? I know your works, you're, you're, you're testing those that say they know that are apostles and they're, they're false. So you've got your theology in line. This sounds like a really great church so far. You're, you're bearing up patiently. Man, that's, that's huge. You're patiently enduring with one another. You're bearing up for my name's sake. And you're not, you've not grown weary. So this sounds like a great thing, but Jesus continues. He says, but I've got something against you. You've abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen and repent. Remember where you've fallen and repent and do the works you did at first. Do the things you did at first. Guys, do you remember the moment that Jesus Christ got a hold of your heart? Do you remember the moment that the, the, the spark of the Holy Spirit ignited your heart, and it enlightened your mind, and you were like, whoa, Jesus is absolutely amazing. And I, wow, I've been saved by the power of God's grace. He loved me. He died for me. Oh my goodness. And the moment that that came to reality and you were like, wow, I'm in. I can't wait. And so the, the moment you get a phone, like that happened, you got on your phone, you called friends, you called loved ones, you said, hey, listen, I got saved. And maybe some people were like, what? And you were so excited. You were so passionate about what Jesus had done in your heart and your life. And that you told everyone. And then you fast forward 10 years, 5 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. And you've just sort of kind of grown cold stagnant and just dull of hearing you've just you've just eh. you've abandoned the love you had for me at first like this is what jesus has i think from against most people in the church is that we've abandoned the love we've had we've fought we've just sort of kind of bas- the the church word is backslidden we've just sort of kind of eh. we have this take it or leave it attitude with jesus I could take him or I could leave him. No, you you don't get that option. There's not a take it or leave it attitude. It's either you're all in or you're not at all. You're either in for Christ or you're not. He says, I've got this against you. You've abandoned the love you had at first for me. So what's his answer? Remember where you've fallen 
and just repent. So I started this morning off with this idea that we as believers need to repent. We've been called to the National Day of Prayer. And this is what I would challenge us as followers of Christ. That we repent of our sins. Where we, where we have grown cold to Christ, where we have abandoned the love that we had for Him, where we've just sort of kind of become cold and stagnant to the things of Jesus and we have allowed sin to creep into our lives, I would challenge us to repent. Because a church that is unrepentant will not be able to bend the ear of God. God will ignore your prayers if you are actively living in sin. If you are actively engaged in sinful lifestyles and sinful behaviors or you're holding on to a bitter heart, a contemptuous spirit, you will never be able to bend the ear of God. He will ignore you and you will not hear you. So what does he call you to do? Repent. What's the, what's the short answer of this? Fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with with Jesus, And I believe that if we fall in love with Jesus, all of the things that we've been consumed with will no longer be the things that we're consumed with. Rather, we'll, we'll see Jesus for who He is and the things of this world will grow strangely dim and we'll follow after and be unashamed in the things that we know to do right. We're, we'll no longer have sins of omission. Because I think a lot of times it's what we've got. We've got a lot of things. We omit a lot of things. Sins of omission. Not commission. Not, commit, not things we commit. But that's just the stuff we leave out because we don't want to. That's it. We just, I just don't really want to. Like I, I've heard people just say, I don't want to share my faith. I just don't want to. Well, James says if you know you should be sharing your faith, and you don't, if you know the things to do that are right, and you don't, you're sinning. You're sinning. Now, you don't, Jesus didn't say, hey, go therefore into all the world if. He didn't put the word if. He said, go into all the world and make disciples. And you just slowly do that. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a slow grind. It is not... There are moments in that we see in the New Testament where thousands come to know Christ. And that might be some of us in the room. But some of us in the room might just have one or two. It might just be grandkids. It might just be kids. It might just be a spouse. It might just be an uncle, an aunt, a grandma, a grandpa, a mom, a dad. It might just be one or two of us that we, we interact with. But guess what? That one person changes their, you, you, you engaging in that one person's life can change their life forever. I go back to Dave Melhoff. He took time out of his day to help me experience something that I probably would have never got to experience because he was bold enough to go knock on somebody's door and say, hey, can we do this? And as a result, yes, the answer initially was no, but guess what? We still got to meet people. We still got to meet somebody that was, you know, some people think that's a pretty cool cut. Wow, that's a neat deal. But what would have happened? would be like, nah, I don't know if we should do that. Probably ought not to. A couple of years ago, I'll use my wife and I as an example. Um, and you got, I've told a couple of you just this in individual settings. We had a... How many of you guys know who Stephen Curtis Chapman is? The singer, Christian singer? A couple of you? Okay, a couple of you in here. Um... He, had come, he was coming to Bartlesville, and it's him and third day together. They were coming to Bartlesville, and 
we were driving on our way to church and I saw them unloading the bus and I thought to myself, because my dad was a huge, or is still a huge Stephen Curtis Chapman fan, just like his favorite singer of all times in the Christian genre. He loves Stephen Curtis Chapman. So I thought, I took that little thought process of what Dave Melhoff had done in my life and I was going to duplicate that on a different level. So I went in and I, put, I took Jamie and the kids to church and said, I'll be back, I have an idea. <laughs> Jamie just looked at me really concerned. I said, don't worry about it, I'll be back in a minute. So I went back and I pulled up next to the community center and I just walked back to the dock and I saw a couple of people that I knew. I said, hey, Seth, what's going on? It's Caleb. He goes, hey, Caleb, what's going on? I said, hey, where's Stephen Curtis Chapman's manager? He said, well, he's back here. I was like, can I talk to him for a minute? He said, sure, come on up. So I walked in, I met Stephen Curtis Chapman's manager. I said, I know this is probably going to be maybe not even out of the realm of possibility, but I said, I'm going to, I'm going to shoot for the stars on this one because I like to go big. I'd love to surprise my dad. Is there any way we could get Stephen to show up at my dad's little 40-person church with his guitar and surprise him with a couple songs? Can we do that? And he goes, well, that sounds like a great idea. And I was like, and my heart would start racing. I was like, yay! Yeah! And he goes, but... Stephen's asleep. And I was like, oh, well, don't want to wake him up. He goes, but I've got an idea. How many tickets do you want for tonight's show? And I, once again, I go big. I wanted my whole family there. I was like, nine? <laughs> What's he going to say? No? He goes, hold on. Got his little computer out, did some typing. He goes, done. Just come to the will call desk and your family can enjoy the show. So I went back to the church. I was like, all right, here's the deal. Stephen's not coming. <laughs> but we need to cancel the night service because, Dad, I got you tickets. And we're going. And literally front row. And I watched the evening as my mom and dad openly wept and worshipped, sang songs that they've been listening to for 30 years almost now. Watched them as they, as they worshiped the king and sang songs and they just, the tears flowed from their eyes. And I thought, I was unashamed. I was unafraid and I wanted to impact somebody's life. Like that's what we have. We have the message that can impact the world. Why are we a quiet? Why are we ashamed? Why are we afraid that some well somebody might reject me? You might get told no, but that might be the next. There may be a door that you walk through that it might be your next yes. The no that you get might be the door you have to walk through to get the next yes. Yes, we didn't get meet, we didn't get to meet Kevin Durant, but we got to meet Bill Donovan. No, I didn't get to have Stephen Curtis Chapman play in my dad's little church. But I did get to get tickets, so my dad did get to see him. But I, all you have to do is take that step of faith and say, Okay, God, I want to be used. I want to be used by you. I want to do what's right. I want to follow you and I want to do what's right. If you know to do something right and you refuse to do it, to you it is sin. If you know to do something right but you don't do it, man, you're sinning. And so what do we do? The scripture says, Romans or Revelation chapter 5, fall in love with Jesus again. Fall in love with Jesus. So what I want to do this morning, um, Marjorie, I'm going to just have you come play Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Um, I don't know what number, I have no idea, Gabe, I have no idea what number that is. 
And I want us just to come, and we're just going to sing a couple of verses of this song. And if you need to pray, there, the altars will be open for you. The, the pew, if you just want to pray where you're at, go for it. But I, I challenge you, if you, something about getting up and moving does something. in your heart stirs your affections when you say, okay, God, I, I'm going to do this. And you make a stand. You make a public stand. Well, what if people see me? Awesome. I think it would be great if people saw you. Because maybe if they saw you, then maybe, just maybe, that would move in their hearts to do the right thing and follow, imitate you as you imitate Christ. So I'm going to pray and I want us to stand and we're going to sing. And I'm going to ask that all of us in the room, if, there's something, if you need to pray, you need to repent. This is a national day of prayer. My hope is that you're going to repent where you need to repent. Rejoice where you need to rejoice. And trust that God's sovereign over all of it. Okay? Father, we thank you for the morning. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. And God, I pray that you would be glorified through what we do even in these last few moments together. And that you would be made much of. We love you. In Jesus' name. Amen.